Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's going on, guys? We are back just fresh off of watching that Bills-Eagles overtime game. Jalen Hurst is rushing in to win the game in overtime after the Bills kicked their field goal. Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, fantasy bonanza in this game, dude. Like, it, 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 like I was looking forward to this game, but it kind of surpassed my expectations. And I know you're a Cowboys fan, Zach, and, and this was not the outcome that you were hoping for but you know as a football fan you have to admit this was a pretty good game what do you think I'm, you think because i'm a cowboys fan i'm gonna say that wasn't a good game <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah my, my yeah. fandom goes very far but not that far i can be objective believe it or not i know a lot of people probably don't believe it because i do find ways to interject the cowboys into everything we talk about here but i'm not <laughs> going to talk about them here right now this was a freaking awesome game and you look at the games that the quarterbacks had 40 points for josh allen 35 points for jalen hurts you'd think there would be more for the other players like the weapons but Devonte smith led the eagles receivers like just 23 points gabe davis had 20 some points like it was very even you know there wasn't anybody that really dominated outside of the two quarterbacks but that's because they were both running the ball in like the thing that's even more impressive to me about these two performances is did you see the weather in the game yeah <laughs> like I know, it, I know it affects kicks and stuff but when you have the weather that they were playing in, you have five total touchdowns from Jalen Hurts. You have four total touchdowns from Josh Allen. Like, you just got to give him props for that. It was ridiculous. Now, will I complain about a couple of the calls in the game? Yeah, but that's just a usual thing for the refs. It has nothing to do with fantasy football. Both of them had great days. You know, you know the quarterbacks, that's all you can ask for at this point. But you'd think the other thing that was surprising me is that the running backs were very quiet given the weather. You know, they kind of defied that whole idea that, you know, oh, the weather's going to be bad. We're going to be handing the ball off a lot. They, they threw the ball a bunch in this game. I mean, Josh Allen had 51 attempts. So that's exactly yeah. what you see. And, and, this and I great. think yeah. this is a good example of why, like, 
you don't really want to change you know your lineups and stuff like that based on rain like if it's a super windy game then yeah sure right but this there wasn't right. that much wind in this game and you know that 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 field goal that what was it 59 59. yards 59 yeah it was 59 insane in those conditions even though there wasn't rain but like you know because there was no not not too much wind you know there were, he was still able to get it through but like you know this is a good example of why we should focus on wind yeah. and not necessarily rain we're making our fantasy decisions yeah like like with that kick I, I'll, I'll give him props for that like i don't care if there was no wind i would be the guy like if i were the kicker in that situation i would definitely miss on my plant, planting foot and just slide and like charlie brown <laughs> you know what i mean exactly. just completely whiff on the ball the, 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 the holder wouldn't even have to move the ball i would just slide so like i'm gonna give him credit for that one and you can't Hell take yeah. away what either of these teams did it's just dumb the only thing you say is that the eagles were just better <laughs> and i hate to say it yeah. but the, the eagles are fantastic it looks like jalen hurts it looked bad through the first half what did jalen hurts have did he have like six fancy points? <laughs> Something like I think that. He, yeah. had, he had a rushing touchdown. He was two of nine for like 33 yards. Like right. it was ridiculous. And now he comes back and throws three touchdowns in the second half. Like just Jalen Hurts is fancy proof. He is pretty much the QB one at this point because it doesn't matter how the game's going. He can turn. You just flip a switch. It, it's it's amazing. It really is, man. He really flipped that switch, you know, towards the end of that game. And it was like, it's almost like, you know, it's no problem for him. Like, he knows what to do, like, in these situations, in the fourth quarter, in overtime. It was too easy, man. It really was. Yeah. Like Situational and, and, you know, football, was, like, not only good for the team, but for fantasy. <laughs> oh, yeah. thousand percent, man. And, you know, uh, Devontae Smith, man, you know, he, he scored a touchdown in three of his last four games, 99 or more yards in three of his last four games. Couldn't get those 100-yard games, but 99 or more yards. Um, another, uh, Yeah, I know, right? He, he was, you know, if he scored, uh, he, like last week, he got stopped at the one-yard line, you know, on a long bomb from Jalen Hurts. Yep. If he scored that touchdown, it would have been more fantasy points for him, right? It was a missed opportunity for him to score yet another touchdown um and you know obviously you know he would have had that 100 yard game but you know anyway yeah um <laughs> so yard. you know he, game of he, inches. yeah he's a game of inches man and you know next week another good matchup against san francisco i think right and you know we're kind of looking like this is a uh, one of those things where you know aj brown obviously he went on that tear but teams are just focusing on him now right they kind of have to right they just can't let aj brown just like go off every single game right and it's come to the point now where Devontae has more than doubled aj brown's receiving yards over the last three games so yep. you know i hope you bought Devontae. you know when i talked about it a few weeks ago when goddard got hurt um because yes you know like he has a decent matchup i think against san francisco that secondary can be had and i think this offense can do that but then you know two tough matchups after that but then in weeks 16 and 17 in your fantasy playoffs, Giants and Cardinals to potentially close out your fantasy season. Hopefully you can win a championship with Devontae Smith on your team. Um, but yeah, like I think, you know, obviously AJ Brown's been disappointing. He scored the touchdown this game, which was good. But, you know, don't hmm. worry. Just keep starting him. There's no real decisions to be made here. But I think both him and Devontae Smith, you know, should be in lineups moving forward for sure. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And the nice thing, I'm not worried about AJ Brown at all. Like he has, he's on a level where it's, I'm not concerned, especially even if it's two games, you know, he's had two quiet games, but he had the touchdown. Yeah. This game is great. Good. Now you really don't have to worry about it. But like, was anybody really panicking after last week against the Chiefs? Like, first of all, that was objectively a tough matchup. You know, we know that the Chiefs are good on defense are good at limiting production in a receiving game. 
and he had a quiet game. That was his first actual like dud performance outside of week two against the Vikings, but that was just a positive game script. It was just weird to see A.J. Brown in a situation, a competitive game, where he didn't get the targets. And now, happens again this week, competitive game. He gets some of the targets, you know, not necessarily as many as we're used to seeing him get, but he had, he had the touchdown. There's nothing to worry about with him. But Devontae Smith, too, like you mentioned, he looks like the old Devontae Smith that we were seeing from last season, where he wasn't just phased out of the offense. And I'm not going to fault the Eagles. Like, obviously, if you're if you have a guy like A.J. Brown on tear like he was earlier in the season, like, are you really going to stop throwing to him? <laughs> like, I'm not right. going to fault them for that. But Devontae Smith, you know, he is a very good receiver. This kind of regression was due. You know, he was due for this type of regression because we've seen the way he produces. He was super quiet these past couple of weeks. It was easy to get down on him. I was down on him. But he's back. You know, the, the Eagles seem to have found their stride on offense. It, they don't look as awkward on offense, you know, these past couple of weeks as they did earlier in the season. They're still figuring out what they were doing. So that's also really encouraging. And then you look at the matchups, too. I don't think there's really a better schedule, <laughs> you know, the rest of the way in terms of how the, the weeks that they're going to have those good matchups for you. Next week, obviously, if you're looking to make a playoff push against 49ers, should be perfectly fine. We've seen teams go off against them. They're secondary. But then you mentioned, like I said, like you said, the Giants and the Cardinals in the championship rounds. Like, obviously, week 18 doesn't count for anything, but you got the Giants, like, super squishy back half of the schedule that you're going to be able to rely on them every single week the rest of the way. Yeah. And uh, on the other side of the ball, you know, you and I were both ahead of consensus on Gabe Davis, you know, five for 92 in the touchdown. Actually, did he go over 100 yards in this game? Because Gabe Davis had 105. Yep. Six for yep, 12, yep. 105 in a touchdown. Legit, legit. Um, <laughs> you know, you <laughs> listen, he, he led the team in targets with 10, with how many targets did he have? 11? It's 12. 12 Gabe targets. Davis. Um, Gabe Davis had 12. Yeah. Yeah. This is not indicative of anything. <laughs> like moving forward <laughs> except that he's just adding to the resume that he's already had that he's capable of performing in good matchups like this one um you know stefan Diggs also coming back as well having a solid game finding the end zone um but this doesn't mean that you could continue to start gabe davis moving forward or anything like that but like you pick your spots and this is one yeah. of those spots that we we recommended this week so you know hopefully if you had him hopefully he was able to help you get a win um Let's move on. You know, we had a few disappointing performances, uh, one being Adam Thielen. What happened to Adam yep. Thielen, dude? Like, what happened there? Like, what, is, what possible explanation, you know, can we put, possibly have in this one? I, I think the possible explanation for me, personally, is we're finally seeing Bryce Young just get smushed every single play. You know, like, the, the, the offense, the wheels have completely fallen off of the Panthers' offense. It's not working anymore where Adam Thielen can be the sole you know way to pr produce in this offense as surprising as it was to see Thielen only catch one pass I think it was more surprising that he only had three targets in this game considering that he was the target guy he was leading the team in targets every single week you know pretty much the entire season the production for Thielen he, you know it had fallen off a little bit after the bye compared to what it was before the bye but the utilization was still there at least these past few weeks he had double digit targets in three or four games since week eight but Bryce Young wasn't even looking his way today. And maybe that had to do with him being under extreme pressure all game again. You know, this is just a trend. It's really difficult for a quarterback to produce, especially a rookie that's undersized. I don't want to make that the narrative here. But, you know, like Bryce Young, he's struggled, you know, this season under pressure. Thielen bottomed out. <laughs> he hasn't scored more than 16 PPR points since before the bye. So it might be time that Thielen starts moving down my ranks a little bit. You know, he was able to overcome the bad offense to begin the season, but it seems like the lack of continuity of play caller has seriously damaged Thielen's ability to produce. You know, I, I, I think that might be affecting things a little bit more than we 
originally thought it would. You know, Thielen was overcoming a bad offense, but at least there's continuity of play caller. They've been throwing that job around between Frank Reich. And I forget the guy's name. Um, is it Thomas Brown? Something like that. I'm not sure. But the other guy that yes. they were getting to yes. call the plays in Carolina, you know, they've been tossing that around a little bit. That's not good for a rookie quarterback objectively and certainly not going to help anybody in fantasy football. I'm definitely going to be moving him down the rankings for sure, personally, you know, these next couple of weeks. But there's still that target upside. It's one week where it's just like, well, what happened? I'm not panicking, but I am going to acknowledge that he hasn't been the same receiver these past few weeks that he was in terms of production earlier in the season. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, you know, I, I, you know what? So what it seems like is that Vrabel, you know, was his game plan was to take Thielen out of this game, right? So it seemed like there right. was a lot of bra- bracket coverage. You know, I haven't watched the all twenty-two yet, but the couple plays that I did see that there was a bracket coverage on him. You know, making it a point to take, you know, take him away. You know, he was solid against the Cowboys. You know, last week in a, in a tough matchup. Um, and you know, if I'm looking ahead, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, you know, one of those matchups mm-hmm. where we talked about, you know, a good matchup out of the slot, right? So, like, I'm not going to be moving away from Adam Thielen next week, you know, personally. Like, he's going to still going to probably be, be up there potentially in my top 12. You know, there's a bunch of teams on by next week. So, I think for me personally, like, Adam Thielen's going to be in my lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, I just maybe, think that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, maybe I got a little bit too comfortable because I forgot there were no buys this week. And I just said that. There but were no buys way, this week. It was no a really buys. nice, you know, break from having to worry about a player being on buy, you forget that you have buys this late. There shouldn't be buys weeks, two weeks or a week out from fantasy playoffs. So it's yeah, that would, one of my just, gripes. It's just not nice. <laughs> By the way, if you needed like this deep, deep, deep play in your league, and you remember me saying Jonathan Mingo as the deepest desperate start you can make on Friday's show, you got yourself 10 PPR fantasy points. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah. For us, just um, spotted you those. Like uh, <laughs> not, not, nothing else to really say about it because he had done he hadn't done anything this whole season <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he man. came through this week. Too funny, too funny. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, here we go, mm. baby. Okay, the production yeah. was great. You know, twenty one fantasy points, uh, but two straight games with twenty plus carries, and we talked about Ramondre having one of his best games in terms of utilization the week before their bye. And they came out of the bye with him give, getting an even bigger bump in utilization. 59% of the rushing attempts before the bye to 70% of the rushing attempts on Sunday. On top of that, at least five targets in five of his last six games. The route participation also jumping up to 68% the week before the bye. That stayed constant on Sunday. And the best of all, 78% of snaps on Sunday. Okay, this is the highest it's been all season long. Zeke was only on the field for 15 snaps in this game. If this continues, Ramondre is now matchup proof. He's game script independent, but you know, and he also has some good matchups coming up either way, right? So wheels up for Ramondre Stevenson moving forward. Yeah, that has to be the case. And this is just a product of the Patriots offense being total garbage. <laughs> like to anyone <laughs> who doesn't think that Ramondre can be matchup proof. Did you watch the game today? <laughs> I, I thought it was Saturday again. I thought this was big so 12. Bad. You know, we, I know they just had the, I don't know if you saw like Iowa, they had that over under, it was set at like 25. It was a record low for over under total in a game. And they shot, they hit the under two points under it. Like it was just ridiculous. That's what it felt like watching this game. It was so bad. And I forgot a couple weeks ago, it might've been 
it's probably Ian Hart. It's because he puts out hilarious stuff all the time. But I saw a post. It's like this Giants Patriots game is going to set back offense like five years. Like that's what <laughs> happened. It was horrific. Now, Tommy DeVito looked pretty good. I'll give you that. He had some nice passes, but it was just a terrible game on offense. The Patriots had no choice other than make other than to make their best offensive player the focal point of their offense. That's Ramondre because they're pretty much playing without a quarterback the rest of the way. Like I can't believe. The way that Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, they're literally carbon copies of each other. You know, that should help Ramondre fan, Ramondre's fantasy managers like sleep well at night, knowing that there isn't going to be a game where, you know, Ramondre doesn't get five or six checkdowns a game because that's what these quarterbacks are capable of at this point. There's not a whole lot of ceiling to chase here with Stevenson. You know, I'm not going out here and saying that like, oh, he's going to continue to have 21 points. If this usage happens, if it, if it keeps moving and this is what we see moving forward, then that could be in the cards. But this is the first time that we saw this. I don't want to get too attached to it because this is what we want to see but as we know these things can change overnight really quickly but he does have those good matchups on tap these next few weeks he could offset any workload issues with touchdowns the rest of the way not that this offense is that great but it seems like if the Patriots are scoring it's going to be through Ramondre I'm not banking on any touchdowns the rest of the way for Ramondre Stevenson what I am banking on is that before the buy the utilization increased to a point where my interest was very well, you know, it piqued my interest, okay? And now, yeah. after the buy, the utilization moving up to where, it's, where, where it was today, I'm just like, okay, all right, here we go. Because now, you know, he's going to have that high floor. Um, and that's all I'm asking for. The, the floor that we saw last year with those targets and then, you know, him being somewhat efficient in, in the – well, not somewhat efficient. He was one of the most efficient runners uh, in the NFL last year too. So I'm interested, even if this yeah. offense is shit. Um, and by the way, uh, Mac Jones was benched after a few turnovers uh, for Bailey Zappi. Uh, not that it really matters because, like you said, the offense is not good. No. Okay, moving on. Uh, Chris Olave went seven for 114 yards in the first half. Um, you know, I, I, you know, personally, like I found the whole like, oh, Derek Carr is playing. Like, should I play Chris Olave? Questions. I, I found them kind of hilarious personally. Okay, like the dude had a 27% target share coming into this game. Okay, and Derek Carr was their quarterback pretty much all season long. So, you know, Derek Carr was getting him the ball. Like, things didn't quite yeah. line up all the time. There were, like, these little quirks here and there. But, like, for the most part, like, it was fine. But this is a great example of what he's capable of. You know, that's the good news. Like, the bad news is that he left the game with a concussion and it ended with that halftime production. Um, so that that wasn't ideal. So usually we see players who suffer a concussion. Usually most players have missed the following week. Hoping that's not the case here. Um, that would that would suck. Do they have a when was their buy? Did they already have a buy? Their buy was in week eleven. Even, no, they, they had their buy. Off of it. They had the buy. That's right. That's right. They just had their buy. So, you know, this isn't ideal. So hopefully he'll be back next week. Hopefully he can be one of the uh you know, one of the minority who actually makes it back. That would be it. That would be the that would be the hope here. Yeah, that's obviously the hope here. And I remember like the whole reason Derek Carr was you had those questions like, should we play Chris Olave because Derek Carr is playing was because they had that bye week that let him come back. You know what I'm saying? We were, we were thinking like we're going to see James Winston slinging it, you know, this week. <laughs> yeah. But that didn't happen. And it ended up being all right. I'm pissed off as a Chris Olave manager and for the rest of his managers out there because he had his third highest point total of the season through one half. <laughs> like it was finally you're sitting there at halftime thinking, oh. I can't wait for Olave to get back on the field. He could have 200 and a touchdown today. Like, he was finally going to have that breakout game that we're just waiting for, you know? We're gritting our teeth. 
And then you see the sleeper notification, if at least if you're me, that he's in the medical tent and then he's done for the day. You get that little out tag and then you cry a little bit inside, but it's fine. <laughs> he didn't hang out. He didn't hang out to dry. That was really cool because sometimes you get that sometimes with receivers. He didn't hang out to dry. He had that solid production. So that was great. Seven for 114. I'll take that every day of the week if he's going to be injured. But the Saints receiving corp, you know, they could end up looking a lot different moving forward, at least next week, like you mentioned, than it did coming into this one. Olave had that concussion, but Rashid Shahid also left the game with a thigh injury. I, there's not a whole lot of info on that yet, but he didn't come back. So if one or both of them are out next week, you know, we could be looking at another brand new target distribution in week 13, which is something that we've seen a lot with the Saints offense. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, it does. It does. And but so by the way, you know, keep keep an eye on Juwan Johnson. You know, if you need a tight end, you know, he ran around on 85% of Derek Carr's dropbacks. He had seven targets in this game. So Michael Thomas out, Rashid Shahid banged up. Uh, even if Chris Olave is back next week, Juwan Johnson, you know, can benefit from this situation. He hasn't seen 80% rap participation since week one when he had a 16% target share. So now today, 85%. Uh, raw participation 18 percent target share okay so something so to keep an eye on there all right yeah look at Bijan robinson go man 22 total opportunities a touchdown through the air and on the ground this is the Bijan we want to see uh algier only had 10 opportunities in this game over 100 yards from scrimmage in two straight games for Bijan. but i have a question for you zach why does Cordell patterson needs eight carries in this game <laughs> Bijan robinson only had 39 percent of his, of his team's rushing attempts today. Less than 50% of the running back carries. Okay, the production Ridiculous. was there because Bijan is that dude, right? Like, it, 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 he's he, he, can, he can make do with not a whole lot of work. But mm-hmm. this isn't necessarily a huge step in the right direction when it comes to utilization, right? If you have Bijan, like, like don't mind me, okay? I, 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 this might be too soon. Just enjoyed this fantasy performance. But I have to talk about the usage, right? Now, yeah. I will say... If he's getting 16 carries and six targets, like that is like very solid, like low end RB1 utilization, and we'll take it every day, right? It's, it's very similar to the type of usage we were very okay with uh, when it came to Jameer Gibbs. Um, but there are three running backs here in Atlanta getting touches compared to two in Detroit. So it's a little bit of a different situation. It, it's dumb. Now, I, I will say this like, I don't hate Cordero Patterson, I think he's a very good football player. You know, he's still running hard. And he's pretty darn old. I think they say it's his 11th year in the league. So he's running hard. I'll give him that. You know, I don't think he should be off the field. But eight carries, come on. Like, this is just perfect Arthur Smith right here. It's still not enough for Bijan. This doesn't excuse Arthur Smith for continuing to platoon a running back room that has Bijan Robinson leading it. It's easy to get tied up in the whole discussion about Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier. They're still each getting way too many touches on the ground. That's terrible. But I think that B. John Robinson got enough work in the ground game for me to be all right with it. My focus is on the boosted work in the receiving game. The first four weeks of the season, Bijan had at least five targets in every game, and he never scored fewer than 10 points, put up two 20-point outings to begin the season, and he averaged 17.6 points per game as the overall RB10 in points per game through the first four games. 
Then from weeks five to 10, that secure floor from his work in the receiving game, it just disappeared. You know, he was RB 34 points per game at that point, 10.1. That's what he was averaging. So my biggest takeaway here is the receiving work was back here. And this is kind of what's been floating his boat this season. You know, even if Bijan was just an early down running back, you know, he's great as a runner. He could get, he could make it happen. You know, he could be a low end RB one with just exclusive early down work, even if he only got like one or two targets a game, but that's not the case. This is how it works in Atlanta. Other running backs get um, more touches. That's not the case in Atlanta with Patterson and Algier. They're apparently servicing Arthur Smith during the week. I don't know what the, I don't know what the explanation is, but Bijan <laughs> needs that work in the receiving game to be the running back that we want him to be. And I'm interested to see if that volume continues next week against the Jets. They're just going to absolutely eliminate downfield passing for Desmond Ritter. Like, how many times are they going to allow Desmond Ritter to throw past the line of scrimmage next week, do you think? <laughs> this matchup is going to be really tough. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, 29% target share for Bijan in this game, which is, you know, absolutely awesome, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, he only ran 14 routes. So, you know, that's think about that. He got six, he got six targets on 14 routes run. Um, you know, they didn't have to throw the ball a whole lot in this game. They didn't have to throw the ball downfield a whole lot. You know, Drake London was able to have a decent game also on not a lot of routes run. Uh, but then when you look at like his, you know, Bijan's target share, 11%, 11% in weeks 10 and nine, and then week eight, it was 7%, no targets in week seven. You know, obviously week seven, you know, he he got hurt or whatever. I think that was that the game thing. where he yeah. had a headache or whatever. <laughs> um, but like or before that, like if you look at weeks one through six, weeks one through six, Bijan Robinson, 18% target share during that span. And that's what we're trying to get back to. Okay. Yeah. So if we can get back to that, I agree. He, he, he'll get it done regardless. But we just haven't seen a trend of that just yet. So I, I'm, I'm moving cautiously with Bijan here. Uh, because the share of the work wasn't like where I want it to be, but at least he was able to come through for yeah. a decent this fantasy game. Some of the best usage that we've seen since that stretch. That That's the takeaway. So it's like, please just let it happen. Can we bottle that up? Or like maybe just fire Arthur Smith. I don't know. Uh, okay. I don't want to call for his job, but I'm just going to say that. He's very yeah. injuring as a fantasy manager. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. So. On the uh, moving to the Bucks here, so Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, man, like just want to touch on them real quick and just kind of appreciate Mike Evans and and, and this rapport that these two have with each other, right? Six catches for 70, 70 yards and two touchdowns. You know, when Mike Evans has been healthy this year, he's come through, man. He's been one of the most reliable fantasy wide receivers this season. Like even in a few tough matchups, uh, he's coming through. You know, he's yeah. You know, he, he was in my lineup every single week. He's going to continue to be in my lineup every single week. Just I don't really have much to say except that like. We, we don't give him his flowers enough on the show. Like, we just constantly have him. I constantly have him ranked in my top 10 every single week. But it's just one of those things where two touchdowns in this game, it was a good match. If he came through, he's just dependable. Yeah. And this is like, and I don't know if this is, this is my feeling about it. It's great. You know, Mike Evans is playing very well. Dependable has not been like his MO in his career. Yeah. You know, he's one of those up and down guys. Because when Tom Brady was in Tampa, you know, Chris Godwin was his flavor of the week. You know, that's what he right. liked to do. He, Chris Godwin was the consistent producer. But now it's Mike Evans all of a sudden. And Mike Evans has some upside. You know, Baker Mayfield, he has eyes for Mike Evans. That's that's pretty much it at this point. He's first and last person he's looking for on any play. I wasn't on the Mike Evans hype train coming into the season. I did a whole spiel. I don't know anybody who listened to the episode we did on busts. I had a whole spiel on it talking about how this 1,000-yard streak is going to come to the end. 
it doesn't look like it. Like he's going to continue playing like this. There's no way that he doesn't get those thousand yards. But Baker Mayfield, he's played perfectly well enough to make Mike Evans not only startable, but he's a wide receiver one. You know, he entered, he has entered set and forget territory for me. It's too bad I don't have much exposure to him at all in any of my leagues. But if you have him, like, who are you benching him for? There's no reason to even consider benching him the way that he's been playing these past few weeks. He has nine touchdowns through 11 games, and that's like Cortland Sutton type numbers, but he has a yardage to go with it. You know what I'm saying? So he's like yep. Cortland Sutton 2.0. Chris Godwin under 10 PPR fantasy points four weeks in a row. Great. Not great at all. Our sponsor for this episode is Better Vision. It's an app that allows you to keep track of all of your bets in one place. If you have accounts on all of these different sports books, you have to switch between them to see whether you're up or not. You lose track of where you play certain bets, and it gets confusing, but not anymore, not with Better Vision. All of your bets are tracked in one place, and not only that, the best part is Better Vision will let you know which betting platforms have the best odds for certain bets. All right. So if you like a play, normally you would look through all of your apps one by one to see what which one has the best odds. Uh, and then you end up playing on that app. But why not have a side by side comparison all on one screen within one app? And then you just click on the bet that you want to make within Better Vision and you're good to go. OK, go check it out. It's completely free. Go to bettervision.us or go to the app store and search Better Vision. That's better with an O. So B-E-T-T-O-R Vision in the app store today. There was some concerns about Rashad White and his knee. He played on 87% of snaps. He's fine. Moving on to the Colts, uh, Zach Moss was a lot more involved than he was right before the bye. Jonathan Taylor had a nice game, 90 yards rushing and two touchdowns, but Zach Moss getting eight carries himself. Listen, you'd love JT to, JT to go over 20 carries, right? Yep. That would be ideal. And JT wasn't targeted in the receiving game. He was only on the field for 58% of snaps. He only ran four more routes than Zach Moss. You know, and we talked about this, right? Like, I asked you the question. I'm like, hey, listen, if you were Shane, if you were Shane Steichen, like, would you split this up a little bit more? And my opinion was yes. And it seems like they 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 listened to the show and they they, they did exactly that because this makes more sense from a football pure football standpoint because Moss showed he can be effective in this offense, but it's not ideal for fantasy purposes. No. And it's funny. You took my lead for what I was going to talk about here and you just spit it all out. You know, you, you have I'm my sorry. exact notes. I said, Faraz, look what you did. Clearly Shane Steichen heard our episode. <laughs> like That's what it was. And now we have the second coming of the Falcons backfield. Not obviously I'm exaggerating there. You know what I'm saying? But it was weird to look up on more than one occasion today while you're watching the games to see it's Zach Moss running the ball, you know, over Jonathan Taylor. It felt like we were back in week five again, you know, but my concern over Moss getting some touches is very low. I'm not worried about this. If anything, it'll help keep Taylor fresh eight attempts per game. That's right in the tuning range where it's obviously just to make sure that Taylor isn't overworked. I mean, the Colts are paying Taylor top of the market money. Did you think Jim Irsay was stupid or something? Did you think that he was going to allow Jonathan Taylor to be overworked after he just paid him? No. I'm still treating Taylor as a low-end RB1 the rest of the way. There's no nothing to really worry about here. Um, it just means, I think, I don't want to try Zach Moss as a flex option, but he had flex-type production today. If this continues, he could be a starter in a pinch for you if you need him, but it would have to be a pretty big pinch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't go that far to, like, have to start Zach Moss, but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideally, that's this, not your situation. <laughs> this limits the, I feel like this limits that high end RB1 range for Taylor because the utilization that he got before the buy 
was one of a high end RB one. And the utilization that he got in this game was that of a mid RB two at best. And it's not what I want to see from Jonathan Taylor. Cause I know he can catch. I know he can be involved in the receiving game, you know, like he's going to get goal line work for sure, but this isn't necessarily like the best offense in the world. Like this was a really, really good matchup for this passing game. They were able to move the ball. I loved Gardner Minshew as a start uh, as a QB two start this week in, in Superflex leagues. And he was able to move the ball. You know, Michael Pittman had a good matchup, Josh Downs as well, but like, you know, I'm a, you know, this, it sucks because like I was hoping that Jonathan Taylor could potentially move into that high and RB one range. If this utilization continues, that won't be the case anymore. And it sucks. And, you know, so we love Michael. Yeah, go ahead. You were viewing him as a high-end RB1, or you were viewing his utilization as a high-end RB1? I was like, viewing his utilization as a high-end RB1. I didn't have right. him ranked as one. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, yeah. If this continued, and if we had a trend of this continuing, right, then he could be in that range with, like, Travis Etienne, right, Austin Eckler, right? He could be in that mm-hmm. range if – he had the utilization to go with it. And the utilization that he had before the buy is, was like elite, 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 like 90% snap rate, right? Like, I think if I'm not mistaken, Zach must have like one touch in the game. Oh, yeah, before. no, he, and, he was hardly touching the ball in those games. Yeah. And it's just, it's just like, ugh, disappointing. You know, you brought this now, on yourself for us. I, <laughs> like, so. I don't know what you wanted yeah, so. to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, we love Michael Pittman's matchup going in. He did his thing. Uh, he was like a he was a top twelve wide receiver for me. Ten catches for one hundred seven yards. Josh Downs also had a great matchup. Not the biggest day though, five for forty three, but he saw thirteen targets, the same amount as Pittman. Uh, that works out to a thirty two percent target share for either. Uh, this is turning into a start. You know, both of these guys every week type of thing, right? Especially with that target share, right? You yeah. you look at Josh Downs five for forty three. And you're like, oh, like, uh, like, I don't know if I want to start him next week. But remember, utilization, right? Like, chase that. Mm-hmm. Don't chase the production, right? Because if you didn't chase the production for Nico Collins last week and you chase the target share, Nico Collins will be in your lineup this week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We'll be touching on him in shortly, right? Yes. We'll talk about him later. But the usage that we imagine for Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua is showing up in the Colts offense for some reason. And I'm here for it. <laughs> you know, the fact that 64% of 41 targets were tied up between two players, that's just incredible for fantasy football. That eliminates like all the guesswork on our part every week for these guys. You know, Pittman had he's had double digit targets in all but four games this year. So this is like normal for him. This wasn't any surprise. He had a good matchup, like you mentioned. We talked about that and he came through. He's had 16, he's had top 16 finishes in each of the past six games. What are you doing if he isn't in your lineup? Is my question for you. But for Downs, you know, this is what makes him such a great flex play. And especially, like, if you drafted Josh Downs, you probably weren't planning on starting him. He's probably just a dart throw. So he fits into your flex spot very, very well. Because the production, sure, it wasn't fantastic. It hasn't been there as of late. He's been injured. But look at the utilization, like you said. He looked healthy this week. He's proven that he can earn targets, even working against Michael Pittman. Like, I'm putting Downs in every week from here on out as a flex if he's healthy, as long as he's getting his target share, which he's shown that he can. Like, obviously, 13 that is a very, very high target share, but he's still good for seven or eight targets. And that is very good utilization for a guy that you could be putting in your flex or as a wide receiver three. And he has a talent to match it. It's not like this is just a complete volume play. That's the biggest revelation for me. You have a second viable receiver, even with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, you know, and Josh Downs. Yeah. Um, hey, Zach, guess who had Josh Downs uh, ranked above Quentin Johnston in his rookie wide receiver ranks? 
Uh, uh, who would that be? I mean, I think there's only one person that writes that. Me, right? Me, <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> um, I, you know, whenever I, when, like, I, I, right. I, 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 I feel so <laughs> gross doing humble brags. Um, so moving on to the Steelers real quick. I love how Ian Rappaport that Jalen Warren would get more touches in this game, but Najee Harris ended up out carrying him 15 to 13. Uh, Najee also outproduced him. Not something I saw coming. 99 yards on the ground with a touchdown. Najee played four more snaps than Warren. This is still a true 50-50 split, like even with the new play caller here. Yeah, there's just something about being labeled as the second running back on the depth chart, apparently. It just makes whoever that player is like really hungry. You know what I mean? Like, Did you see the yeah. play today where Najee Harris, he just channeled Marshawn Lynch early yeah, in the game? It's like a 20-yard carry. It featured him running with 15 of the game's 22 players on his back. Like, just freaking it was hilarious. like a five yard. It was like a five yard gain that turned into like a twenty yard. Yeah, twenty yard. And gain. It, the thing was, it wasn't like one of those ones where it's just like the whole crowd that everyone's pushing and then they all just fall over ten yards later. It's like he popped out the other side of the pile and carried right. some DBs with him. Like it was just hilarious. So I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's the RB two at this point. But mm-hmm. to your point, you know, he looked better than Jalen Warren in this one. But the running backs, they're very clearly the motor of this offense. We talked about that last week. The Steelers seem to be prepared to live and die by them on a weekly basis. You know, they're going to continue to be the ones touching the ball. Not so much the passing game. It was just ridiculous. But, um, yeah, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, I think they're both, you can start both of them with relative confidence, especially as, like, RB3 type numbers. You know, if you're talking about, uh, if you have a flex, you could put them in there. I don't know if I want to trust them as an RB2, just because I don't know how much of a scoring upside this team has, but they've both been getting it done these past few weeks, and they're going to continue to do that. They are the focal point of the offense. Yeah, and one big change was Pat Frymuth's involvement, right? Nine catches for 120 yards uh, on 11 targets. He didn't even play a full-time role in this one. He ran 25 routes. He was targeted on 44% of those routes. Okay, that's that's a huge that's number. Uh, so, But, you know, listen, in order to rely on Frymuth being an every-week tight end for you, that's going to depend on those routes going up. Okay, and we can easily see that happen as he gets healthier, right? He just came off of IR a couple weeks ago. So, he seemed to be pretty healthy in this game. And if he does end up getting that role, he has a great schedule rest of season, so he could be in play here. So if he's available on waivers, whatever the case may be, if you have him on your bench, you didn't start him, you might have something here. Yeah. And this was the day's out-of-left-field performance. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a good way to categorize yeah. it. It just came out of nowhere, right? Like you're sitting there. I, I saw memes. Someone put it on Instagram. I, I, like I said, I wish I knew the sources for all these, but it's just stuff that I see as I'm scrolling through. It's like, Someone told their girlfriend to keep Fryermuth on the bench, and then she, she texted him. He's like, you asshole. You told me to put him on the bench. He's 27 <laughs> points. Like, this is freaking hilarious. Of course, this breakout performance, not breakout performance, but this big performance from Pat Fryermuth happens immediately after a coaching change, so we can't really be sure how we should move forward with him. Like, is this going to be something we see on a weekly basis, or is this just like one of those things that comes in an offense that doesn't throw the ball a whole lot? You know, if you're in tight end hell, and Frymuth was contributing to that up until this week, I'd say you have no choice but to start him, you know, moving forward. You know, cross your fingers next week. Hope that the Matt Canada juju has been cleansed from Frymuth for the rest of the season. This is a guy that hadn't seen more than four targets in a game all season, and he was injured for the majority of the year. But I guess when Deontay Johnson is out there playing walk ball and letting the opposing team recover fumbles, he clearly has a shot at, you know, somebody has somebody else has to pick up the slack. That could be Frymuth. So bear in mind, though, that this is still a Kenny Pickett offense predicated on the heavy involvement of running backs. but. Frymuth looked as good as he has in his career, you know, today. And he was earning those targets, like you mentioned, even not on a full route participation. So, like, there is a way that we continue to see this type of utilization. Hopefully, that's the case because there hasn't been any life in the Steelers passing offense for weeks. I remember 
when Pat Frymuth wasn't my guy for me coming into this year. <laughs> Remember you you got to hang your head on one game. <laughs> Pepperidge Farms remembers. No, like no, I'm just, no, no, the, the exact opposite. Like, I'm not hanging my head on this game because he's he's a lost season. It was a lost season for him. Lost season. like it, Injury. For all like, the people. So, listen, yeah. if, if, I, if I said, like, hey, this is a my guy, and then, like, a bunch of people drafted him, that was a fail. Okay, because where where, where are we at? Week 12? <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a long time. Okay. Yeah, so, true. Yeah, it is kind of funny though, like that. You know, you're just looking back on on your guys, and you're just like, oh, brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. Total. It's not a total indictment on you. Like, I'm not going to let you just hang yourself here and say that no, you know, this is just no. me. Like, but it it was an injury. Like, I think my guy at tight end was George Kittle coming in this one. So I'm feeling nice. all right about that one. Nice. So that that was all right. But it took until five or six weeks in the season. Like, who knows? Could, could Pat Frymuth turn things around? Who knows? Hey man, I think there's still I, time. George Kittle had a terrible game though this week, Zach. He had a terrible game. So terrible what's game. up? What's up? <laughs> what happened? I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, that, that's just George <laughs> Kittle for you. That's the nature of his production. Pretty, he pretty is much. the Gabe Davis of tight ends, but with just a little bit more, little bit more consistency. Not so much. the the Joe Burrowless Bengals. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Jamar Chase. He led the Bengals in targets. Only 23 percent target share though. Okay, so that's not going to get it done in subpar situations for these alpha receivers. Like in order for Chase to really overcome his current situation is for him to just be absolutely peppered in the receiving game. You know what I'm saying? Like we need like that Garrett Wilson, like 35% target share to, yeah. to in order for him to like overcome this, this abomination of a passing game at this point. So to Tyler Boyd, you know, he got one less target than him. Tanner Hudson had one less target than Jamar Chase. Like that's not ideal, Right. Right. I do like the matchup for Chase next week against Jacksonville. Also, the matchup after that against Indy. You know, the matchup against Minnesota the week after that, like, is pretty good too. So you're like, oh, yeah. I have to start him, right? Like, <laughs> you can't even sit him if you want to, uh, because like he's such a good player. You know, you, you know, you saw him like, you know, with the ball in his hands in this game. You're just like, oh, he looks so good. But like yeah, he just needs that mean, quarterback, you know. You mean when he was catching the passes that ricocheted off defenders twice? Like, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> that's an indictment on the situation. Like that is exactly <laughs> that's just perfectly indicative of what he's dealing with right now with Jake Browning at quarterback. And I don't want to crap all over Jake Browning because he wasn't that bad, but this is still no. bad. Like he's trying to be a distributor, and we don't want that. Like he has to understand that the Bengals season is over. I don't think they're making the playoffs, so they're not going to be able to ride it with him. So now at this point, you might as well just make the fantasy managers happy. Like please cave. Jake Browning, just throw it to Jamar Chase over and over and over and over. Like this is another one of those instances where you just have to take your lumps with the situation. Put Jamar in your lineup every week. Like, what else are you going to do? Realistically, who else are you going to be starting over? You know, unless you have three top fancy wide receivers on your roster, you know, I, I'm I'm just not going to be able to keep him out of my lineup. I'm going to fall back on the up, upcoming schedule, like you said, for Chase and the fact that even though it's not 11 targets a game, you know, he's still technically leading the team. He's a total floor play though. Moving forward, the ceiling is effectively gone at this point. But I think he's going to fit in your lineup as a wide receiver three every week. Like, and he has upside. If who knows, maybe we could have a, a, a Joe Burrow type performance from Jake Browning somewhere down the stretch. Like, I don't want to rule that out completely. It's a very small sample size we've seen with Jake Browning. But the early return suggests that this is just a floor play. That I don't think he's going to be a liability <laughs> on your team. But any chances of him contributing, being the reason for you winning on a weekly basis, it's gone. Like that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, 
pretty it's much. Sad. Yeah. Um, like, how many times have we had this conversation about very yeah. good receivers and their quarterbacks go down? And it's just like I it's know. getting old at this point. We're selling broken records. Yeah. Now Calvin Ridley, some positivity here. He had a second straight good game. That's something we've been waiting for. You love to see it. Uh, the matchup, the matchup was not perfect for him, so it was good to see him overcome it. Christian Kirk ended up leading the Jags in targets in this game. He also had a good matchup, but only four catches. He did end up with the 89 yards receiving, tied with Ridley on the day. Um, but I think Ridley, you know, it's one of those things where you're just like you know, you just kind of have to like leave him in your in your lineup. You know, if you if you don't have that many options. You know, stop yeah. trying to like just take him out all the time when because he's one of those guys where I think uh, he's probably one of the the biggest uh, mistake prone matchup decisions people have made. That makes no sense, but he you know what I mean. Right? Like, just, In the words of Mike Tomlin, he does not care. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Is that he's how he's one of those it? guys where, but people, I, I don't think a lot of people have been playing him to the matchups though. Like, I feel like, like, they play him if he has a good week the week before, and they don't mm-hmm. play him when he disappoints them. And it's like if you keep playing that game, you're gonna always like uh, outside of this week, right? Where he had a two touchdown game last week, so people were putting him in the line this week. Great, it mm-hmm. worked out. But just, just, just you know, I feel like people just have to be patient with him. He, he is what he is. He is a a boom bust wide receiver who's gonna come through more often than not. That's kind of yeah. that's kind of how I describe it. So your rant is against the box score fantasy managers. Those yes. are the same people that get burnt by Gabe Davis. <laughs> Consistently, they get burnt with Gabe Davis. That kind sure, of but with Gabe Davis though, like th- that was more Gabe Davis last year. Like Gabe Davis this year, you hopefully you're not starting him like at all, right, right, right. unless yeah. you know it was this game against the Eagles. Like you know <laughs> this is the game where he was startable. Like we didn't even talk about him at all, like for the last like month. But right. you know, in this matchup, it made sense to talk about him. Calvin yeah. Ridley's not the, not that guy. He's like, he's the you know the flanker for the Jags, and they can use him more. Like Zay Jones is back, that helps. Um, but they're just using that's, him in a way where he's able to get open. That's, and that's what I was going to say. We're just going to gloss over the fact that Zay Jones played. <laughs> Interesting, <laughs> right? That, that's, that's funny. But yeah, the first half Ridley had zero points right through the first half. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like that, it was looking really bad, but then suddenly he started getting targeted downfield. He had that octopus to cap a really nice fantasy day. I love when yep. a receiver gets octopus. I think it, there were a lot of those this week. C. Lamb had one on Thanksgiving. I think there was another one somewhere around the uh, um, down the line. I forget exactly where it was, but he has three touchdowns now over the past two games. Schedule coming up is pretty tough. You know, he's playing the Bengals, the Browns, and the Ravens all in a row. Like, are you trusting him as a wide receiver too in those matchups still? Like, no. do you think you're not? Okay. No. So, since, what's his? Now, I, where does he Cincinnati, fit in your lineup? Cincinnati, I'm perfectly fine starting him against Cincinnati. I'm not worried about that matchup at all. Right. Okay. Um, but against Baltimore, against Cleveland, I'm straight up benching him. <laughs> all right. So keep him in your lineup for the time being, but we will let you know. <laughs> Just keep tuning in. I'm straight up I'm sure you when you're him. not supposed to put Calvin Ridley in your lineup. <laughs> I'm straight up benching him for the Browns matchup. Straight up benching him for the, you know. Even if he does well in this game against the Bengals, like I'm not playing him against the Browns and I'm not playing him against the Ravens. All right. You heard it here first. Also, because I I also don't trust Trevor Lawrence in those matchups either, to be honest with you. That's fair. Straight up. Okay. Let's see. Uh, CJ Stroud, another huge fantasy day, right? And and what a rookie year this kid's having, man. 47 yards rushing on top and a rushing touchdown on top of the 300 yards passing. Uh, You know, 
listen, he's he's throwing touchdowns too, right? Yeah. Uh, Tank Dell, solid day, five catches for fifty yards and a touchdown. Uh, my underdog pickums were looking good, you know, when Tank caught that first fifty-eight yard pass early in the game, but then it was called back due to penalty. And he could have had a much bigger day. <laughs> Dude, it was so sad. It was so sad. Um, I would have I would have won some legit money if that stayed, you know, yeah. as uh, you know. If, <laughs> and if he didn't have a penalty. completely quiet second half. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, but the bigger day ended up going to Nico Collins. He led the, tar- the Texans in targets for the second straight week. This is why we follow target share, guys. Last week it was Tank with the big day in production. But you can't forget about Nico because he saw the 30% target share, okay? And this week, the production followed the utilization. 25% target share for Nico Collins this week. It, it seems like he's going to get the targets every week. Tank is going to get the targets every week. Both of these guys need to be in your lineups moving forward, just like right. how they should have been this week. Especially exactly. if you saw our, our rankings, they were both, you know, top, what, 15, 16 wide receivers this week. So, come on. Yeah. No, I think... We talk about the utilization. It's easy to be like, well, yeah, this was the Nico Collins game. It makes sense. But this isn't supposed to be like a gotcha for anyone who started Tank Dell. You know, like, huh, told you. Because he, he still found the end zone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he could have had that bigger day, like you mentioned. So, like, the biggest takeaway for me is that just CJ Stroud is single-handedly making both of these receivers relevant on a weekly basis. And I know there were talks, you know, we talked about it a little bit. Dalton Schultz was coming on a little bit, you know, the past couple of weeks. But he's been quiet. He was quiet today, obviously. You know, I think he had one catch. That kind of thing. He, he he wasn't even on the field for a lot of the plays. Yeah, I'm like, not really sure what happened there. Like his, his routes were cut in half. He only ran two more routes than Brevin Jordan in this game. Less than 50% route participation. Yeah. And the last time that this happened, it happened in week four, but he bounced back like the next week. Like his routes went up. But like just something to monitor here. I'm not panicking or anything just yet, but like that was kind of weird to, to see that. It was really weird because it was a pass heavy, pass heavy game script. And we'll talk about the running backs here in a minute, but they hardly got any run. <laughs> you know, Devin Singletary is getting targeted, all that. They were getting all these targets. It was just CJ Stroud. How many times, like, did you see CJ Stroud slinging it down the field? That's not a problem at all. Like, let's just cl- cl- clarify. Not a problem at all that CJ Stroud sling- slinging it downfield. But on third and fourth and short, a couple times in this game, it was CJ Stroud throwing like 30 yards downfield. Like, it was a weird game script because it was just completely pass heavy. That's good for CJ Stroud, but with the running backs, it really makes things interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mentioned coming into the week that there was probably not going to be a whole lot of carries available for the Texans. Uh, Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce combined for 11 carries total. Uh, they basically yeah. split carries down the middle. I also mentioned that the Jaguars allow, when they do allow fantasy points to running backs, it's through the air. And Singletary wasn't involved in the receiving game at all up until this game where he ended up catching six balls for 54 yards on seven targets. Uh, But one thing that was the major difference here for these two backs in Damian Pierce's return, Singletary was on the field for 82% of snaps in this game. He got all three of their goal line snaps. He ran 32 routes to Pierce's four. 76% 76% route participation, 100% of third down snaps, 95% of two-minute snaps. That is a huge development for Singletary if he's going to be running that many routes moving forward, right? Yeah. Also, key factor, Mike Boone, who was their primary receiving back when Pierce was hurt, was a healthy scratch in this game. And in his job basically was added to Singletary's responsibility. So, we could see Singletary have standalone value regardless moving forward, even if Pierce ends up taking some work in the running game. 
you know, now does the overall share get tighter moving forward between Pierce and Singletary? Maybe, you know, Pierce was a full participant in practice all week. Um, but, you know, I, I think this is a, an encouraging sign for Singletary for now. Uh, and the fact that they have the Broncos next week, I think Singletary is in play for that matchup. Yeah, it just it plays perfectly in Singletary's hand. And I think you look at this with, with Mike Boone out. You know, this is pretty much a two-man backfield. And I think that Devin Singletary at this point, I think they're realizing that Devin Singletary is someone that's going to have to continue to be featured. I don't know if it's going to stick around, like you mentioned, at 82% of snaps. Because I do think that maybe there was a little bit of load management here with Damian Pierce. He was out there on very minimal snaps. And I think that he I think that he was too big a part of the running back room, or at least the plan coming into the season for them to just be like, all right, we're gonna go away from Damian Pierce at this point. Now, I don't want to rule out like a James Robinson type thing, because he was a later round running back, kind of, you know, if you think about it. And he had that same type of James Robinson factor where it's like, you know, he runs hard, you know, he's really good. But if you have another guy that can do more, has a more versatile skill set, like the way that Devin Singletary is playing, he's going to be much more complimentary to a pass first offense and what Damian Pierce offers. You know, he's a, he's a bruiser. He's an early down running back. If you have a guy that can do that plus work in the passing game, I wouldn't be surprised to see, to see Devin Singletary hold on to a majority of the work, even if it's not like you mentioned that 82%, 82% of snaps, if it's 60, 65% of snaps, like I don't, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. And he, Devin Singletary could be a play moving forward the rest of the way as an RB two. Yeah, man. No, for sure. And, and I just want to point out one thing with the Texans. Like they, and, and I heard you say this a couple times, Zach. Like this is actually not a, a pass heavy offense. Like it, there are pass heavy producers, if that makes sense. But in terms of play calling, they're pretty balanced uh, for, the, for the most part for the season. Um, according to fantasylife.com's utilization report, you can actually look at their, their, their archetypes, right? And for most games this year, you know, through weeks one through six, they're a balance. They had one like extremely pass heavy game against the Bucks, which which makes sense, right? Because yeah. the Bucks are, you know, have the tough front and you know, they you want them to kind of you want to drop back at a higher rate, which they did 73% of the time. But and in this game also against the Jaguars, another game where you want to be pass first. So we definitely saw that in this game. So, but it seems like the philosophy though overall is somewhat balanced. And we saw how many carries Devin Singletary had over the last two weeks and coming into this game, you know, the Jaguars weren't allowing a whole lot of running back carries coming into this game too. Um, they're, they're, I think the third lowest rate of, you know, in the league or maybe even lower than that. Um, so just keep that in mind for any of your running backs going up against the Jaguars is that type of situation. And they just, they're just really good um, against running backs in the run game. Okay. Um, right. So there is room here for a run game and, you know, and, and if Singletary is going to be targeted, also, on top of that, it could have some value, but we'll see. We kind of need a little bit more data here, though, right? Like, this is a great first sign with that with Pierce back, but there's still a lot of variables kind of floating in the air for us at this point to make a real final call on, like, how this backfield is going to shape up moving forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, on the other side of the ball, Travis Etienne got a little bit banged up in this game with a chest injury. Dearness Johnson ended up getting some run. Uh, you know, he's the handcuff to have in this backfield, by the way, not Tank Bigsby, as much as it pains me to say that. Uh, you might want to pick up Johnson, you know, if you're desperate at running back, like in a deeper league, because, you know, in case Etienne isn't 100% next week, there could be 10 to 12 touches available for for Johnson, um, you know, if he was a little limited going into that game and they want to limit his touches, because we, we've seen uh, John, we've seen Jonas Johnson like have 
you know, good games. He's capable of big plays. He had a big play in the receiving game in this one, you know, one catch for like whatever it was, 40, 50 yards. Um, so he has that in him, right? So just, just in case you're in a deep league and you need somebody. But also not only that, he makes a good bench stash just in case ETN were to ever get hurt. Um, this is a yep. decent enough offense where Dearness Johnson can get some run. It, you know, it reminds me of like we were talking on Friday morning about the Jets Dolphins game. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think Jeff Wilson's good for like 10, 11 carries. And then he ends up with like 11 carries in that game. And I, I, I looked at the box score and I was yeah. like, yeah, there you You're go. You're right on talk it. About it. Um, <laughs> you got to take your yeah, wins. Just, just ra- so random. Yeah. So like yeah. it's so it's so random where I try to get my wins from. No, um, I'm the same way. It makes zero <laughs> sense. Like it makes zero sense at all. Like who gives a shit? This is um, the thing. When you're when we are on a podcast and stuff like this, we the number the sheer number of calls that we make. Like we say, this is what this we could expect. We give out ranges, like you said, ten to eleven carries, this kind of thing, that kind of thing. Just these ranges. When you actually hit on one, you look back. Like sometimes they just stick in your mind. You're like, oh look, I was right, and it just reminds you that hey. There's a reason I'm doing this. I'm not a complete idiot. You know what I'm saying? Not a complete <laughs> idiot is like. how I feel. That's how I feel. Not a complete idiot is how I would describe myself. 100%. I'm with <laughs> you on that one. Yeah. Uh, Rashi Rice, man, had his best game as a pro. Eight catches on 10 targets, 107 yards, and a touchdown. That's his first 100-yard receiving game of his career. Very encouraging performance. Um, do you think this is the start of something for Rice moving forward? Obviously, he's been relatively productive for fantasy like but you know he's kind of like he hasn't had the huge yardage games hasn't had the huge target games but this is one of those games yeah finally (laughs) i think if it wasn't obvious to everyone after last week's game against the eagles like what really are we doing if we didn't have rashi rice have this type of game like what would we what would the conversation be like he's clearly talented enough i know we we weren't very big on him coming into the season you know, we talk about the rookie kid all the time. We weren't very big on him, but he happens no. to land in Kansas City. He has Patrick Mahomes throwing to him. Hopefully this sticks. I think this could be the start of something. I, I don't want to say that this is Amon Ross St. Brown type, you know, end of season. You remember, remember, I think it was back in 2021, Amon Ross St. Brown wasn't a thought. And then suddenly he came out and he had these consistent production, he had the target share that went along with it, and it all just came together. And it's happening at the, like a similar time this season. Like, could could he be a playoff hero? I don't know, but he has some matchups coming up that aren't terrible, and he's clearly the best receiver in the Chiefs' offense right now outside of Travis Kelsey. And this game looked like Patrick Mahomes had a little bit more rapport with him. Maybe they worked a little bit more in practice because they were tired of having Justin Watson and Marquez Valdez-Scandling, which is handing the game to them and having it hinge on the way they produce. Regardless of this is what you want to see from Rashi Rice, you've been on Rashi Rice a little bit. You've just been waiting for him to get that target share because he has been solid, like you mentioned. I, I think this could be the start of something, especially since he's been part of his offense. He's been flashing where no other Chiefs receiver has been this whole season. Yeah, I hear that, man. Uh, and Jacoby Myers, also another very encouraging performance on the other side of the ball. Six for 79 and a touchdown. Both him and Devonta Adams had seven targets. Uh, not great for Devonte, uh, but Myers might have some fantasy relevance now. He gets Minnesota and the Chargers after their bye. So some good matchups that he could potentially be a flex for. Yeah, it's just, it's just nice to see him get back in the utilization category. Like he wasn't even a thought the past couple of weeks, and now he finally has a little bit more utilization. Granted, it's only seven targets. You know, he had six catches, but still, the touchdown was nice to see. And the other thing, it was nice to see the Raiders' offense. I know they lost the game and they really slowed down. You know, in the second half, but it was nice to see him jump out to fourteen nothing because like that shows against a good defense, 
this isn't yeah. going to be an offense like it is against like the, like the Bengals have. You know, Aiden O'Connell has a little bit more juice to him than a guy like Jake Browning. He's not just like this backup that you're gonna be able. You're just gonna be hanging on volume with both of these guys. There's going to be a little bit of tough, a little bit of touchdown upside the way that this team plays. So I'm not discouraged at all by this. You know, I I, I don't think I'm more encouraged than anything. Like Jacoby Myers could have a role down the stretch. I'm still not gonna go and say that Jacoby Myers is back, but flex consideration makes perfect sense given the matchups like you mentioned. We've been talking about Kyron Williams all week long, right? He was a must start. Yeah. He ends up having a huge fantasy day in his return. As of right now, he is the number one fantasy scorer of week 12, non-QB, 38 PPR fantasy points, over 200 yards from scrimmage, two touchdowns through the air, caught all six of his targets. Uh, this utilization overall and the usage in the red zone like all year is going to keep Kyron Williams propped up as an RB1 rest of the season. Yeah, <laughs> Did we see? Did we think that anything different was going to be the case today? You know no. what I'm saying? Like apparently, I, a lot of people you, did though. Yeah, you because, and I saw it. Yeah, dude. Like I, I'm getting like DMs like, "Oh, he was on my bench." Like, like, <laughs> what are you doing? Where were you this week? <laughs> this where is were you? like maybe they maybe they also had Devon A chain. And they've been down that road before where a player comes back from IR. And then they just tweak their knee and then they're out and they have one point in the game log. Maybe it was just PTSD that kept them from doing that. But Devon A-Chain, the thing about him was he wasn't one of those guys where it's like, oh, the utilization and the production was there. It's like This was a guy that was just production, 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 super efficient, touchdowns, blah, 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 good offense. The Rams are a solid offense. But the thing that stood out, and this has been the theme of the episode, utilization. Like, Kyron Williams was the clear RB1. There was there wasn't any there wasn't any question at all about who the lead running back in this RB room was. He comes back, Kyron Williams, and dominates. He only had twenty two opportunities. Like imagine if this were a more competitive game. Yeah. <laughs> like they pulled him at the end of the game. Like of course that makes sense, but they pulled him and he didn't play a lot of the rest of the game. He could have had an even bigger day. Like this is fantastic for anybody who had Kyron Williams, and it just sucks that we couldn't have seen this all season. But he is obviously an RB one moving forward the rest of the way. High end. I think he's a high-end RB1, the way that he's being used. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it comes into question where it's like some people have traded him for like Austin Eckler, that sort of thing, and you're like, yeah, you know, you love Austin Eckler the rest of the way, but, yep. you know, the way that Austin Eckler has been looking, like just like he's been performing like in terms of fantasy, but like mm -hmm. the way he's been looking in terms of like how he's running and that sort of thing, it's it's a little iffy. Are right you now. talking about? I don't know if you saw like the 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 keyword or the key comparison. People are like, he thinks he's Mike Tolbert. Like, is is that where you're referencing oh, here? When he says, I'm referencing that run on the left sideline in the last game, where like he should have like just scored a touchdown, but he <laughs> let like a linebacker like catch up to him and tackle him. It was just finally weird, showing age. Like, I guess, man. I, I, I don't know. Sucks. You're gonna have to ask him about that, like especially since you're in a league with him. Be like, "Yo, what, what's going on?" <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't do that. Okay, I'm, I'm fighting for my playoff <laughs> lives and life in that game. I, I just oh, played man. against JJ Zacharyson this week, and he whooped my ass. Um, as he it should, because because he, he he's that dude. Um, let's talk about Cooper Cup and Pukunakua. Should we be worried, Zach? Should be should we be worried? I'm not worried. But it doesn't help having Kyron Williams do this type of thing, you know, where he's actually a factor in the receiving game on top of being, you know, heavily used in the run game. And the Rams ran the ball a lot in this game. It was a positive game script, so I don't want to go too ahead of myself and be like, oh, well, that's the end for Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. We don't have to worry about them. But 
it is definitely a problem when you look at the production of these receivers. Like Cooper Cup had four points, Nakua had six points. Nakua had eight targets. That's fine. But just the way that this game was going, like it was, was supposed to be a matchup they blew up in. Like we knew Kyron Williams had good match. It was good matchups all around. Kyron Williams, Nakua, Cooper Cup, they all had good matchups. So this kind of thing will happen. But Matthew Stafford's come back. And over the past couple of weeks, he, they just haven't produced the way that we kind of expected them to, given what we had seen from Stafford and these two receivers earlier in the season. Like we knew the type of upside they we knew the type of upside they have, and it's not showing still the rest of the way. I'm not going to panic because this was a complete blowout, but I am going to say, like, I think the day we can kiss the days of thinking that both of these guys are going to be like strong plays week in and week out. And they're not going to hurt each other. I think. I think those days are gone. Yeah, if this was a more competitive game, uh, and they really needed to throw the ball and make plays downfield, like I would be more concerned. Uh, but I will say that this week has me, you know, a little bit down on these guys. I, I have to move them down the rankings a little bit. You know, this is now. This is only two full games with Stafford now, where Cup couldn't get it done. Right, only two games. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. Like, we don't have a huge sample size with Stafford and Cup playing a full game each and then not coming through. So I don't want to overdo it here. But, yeah, like, these two will likely take away from each other. And we won't see that funnel, right, that target funnel to either Cup or Puka, right? Like, Puka did see what uh, Puka saw a 24% target share in this game, you know, led the team. You know, and and Cup also wasn't 100% in this one. Now, the concerns for, for me, you know, for Cup is that like he's not the epitome of health, right? Over the last two seasons, right? He's getting older. You know, is that a factor? It could be. And, you know, I will likely have both of these Rams wide receivers as like, you know, wide receiver twos next week, you know, maybe low end wide receiver twos, especially against the Browns. Tough yeah. matchup. So, like, I'm not going to be going out of my way to bench either of them, uh, even in the very tough matchup next week. If I have other options, good options, fine, but I'm not going to be digging too deep to replace them right yeah i i I wouldn't be either and you look at the way that the browns games have gone these past couple weeks (laughs) they're not high scoring you know spoiler alert they don't go very high scoring in these games the way that the defense plays and then you also don't have uh, the the browns offense is not that good so i'm definitely tempering expectations for them i wouldn't even call them wide receiver twos i don't want to say they're not wide receiver twos but i think low end wide receiver two uh, fits the bill more for these guys uh, next week, especially in a tough matchup. Then it would be like saying solid wide receiver too. Just because yeah. we said that, they'll come through next <laughs> week. But <laughs> we'll see. We'll see where we end up ranking them because there are several teams on bye uh, in yeah. week fourteen. It's one of the biggest bye weeks, so so we'll see what, what ends up happening there. Um, yeah. Marquise Brown finally had a good game, man. Six catches for eighty-eight yards on a team leading twelve targets, twenty-seven percent target share. Didn't get a touchdown, but finally, I think this is like a little bit of a sigh of relief here. It's encouraging. We really need to see something in this game. Like, otherwise, I'd be pretty worried, to be honest. Like, but Hollywood, you know, he has a very solid rest of the season schedule. Uh, He does have the bye in week 14, so that sucks. But I think he's back in the low end wide receiver two conversation for now. And then he has the upside to potentially move up even further. Yeah. And I think that's the only way to look at it. We were just waiting, like I said, like, for me, it was like exhale. Finally, he's looking like Marquise Brown in terms of the usage, at least. You know, I, this game was firmly out of hand. This it wasn't competitive, so it was going to be a volume-based game anyway. But Marquise Brown did enough for me to say, okay, 
we can move him back up into the ranks. I feel like he's going to be a low-end wide receiver too also. Like, if you have to look at the way we just talked about Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, where would you put them relative to Marquise Brown? Where would you put Marquise Brown relative to them, I guess I would say? I'd probably put them in the same bucket. That, that, yeah. That's just me. Like, I, I don't think yeah. it would be very far off. Like like you said, we didn't get into the rankings. We didn't, we're not even starting to think about rankings yet, you know, on a Sunday night. But I think just quick, you know, off the top of my head, they're probably going to be pretty close to each other. Yeah, I mean, luckily we won't have to do that this week because Marquise Brown will be on. Well, no, he's on by week fourteen actually. Week so 14, yes. I might have market like who 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 are the Cardinals Steelers. going up against the Steelers. This, the Steelers? So I might have Marquise Brown ranked above both these guys this week. There's a know? chance. Yeah, yeah, I'll see how it goes. Like, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see okay, here's go. it's gonna be close. We'll also talk about this. Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. This is a tough question. Who are you trusting more at this point? Like, well. Puka's been getting a higher target share. Right. Right. And also he's not as unhealthy. Oh, unhealthy is a weird <laughs> word. He's he's healthier, he's healthier than Cooper Cup right now. Yeah. Right. So I think I have to leave lean Puka at this point. I didn't realize that Cooper Cup was as uh, you know, he you know, because a couple times he went down this game and like he like was slow to get back up and that sort of thing. Like, like what kind of ankle sprain did you have, dude? Like it, you know, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like uh, I'm just, just thinking, like it's been ankle sprains for him this just, season. Yeah, as, as uh, yeah. Out. And, and it was last season too. And it's funny. And this like, was the to... same ankle, by the way, that he had the high ankle sprain on. So like maybe there's a little bit of lingering effects from that potentially. Yeah, we're not doctors here, but yeah, worth <laughs> yeah, as you can tell, as you can tell, um, it might be. It is worth noting. <laughs> It is worth noting that Trey McBride, uh, he got his nine targets too. But Greg Dorch, another high target game, nine targets this week. He got the touchdown too. Uh, had eight targets last week. So if Michael Wilson's out again, I think Dorch is in the flex conversation against Pittsburgh in week 13. Okay. I think so. And the, the funny thing for me in this game, did you see at the end of the game? I don't know if you saw the post, but he did a too little celebration after he scores a touchdown. No, I didn't like, see that. Greg Dorch, of all people, you're doing that. Like, imagine being the defender that gave that one up. <laughs> oh, that, that was hilarious. Hey, I know they were way yeah. down, but, like, that that just made me laugh. So, so like, I'm not going to hold that one against Greg Dorch. That's great. That was just fantastic to see. Did you see the C.J. Stroud, uh, what was it, like, the baby boy um, celebration? I saw it, but, like, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was funny. Like, I, I saw it, but, like, it was, like, I forget. It was, like, a clip of it after the fact. I didn't see it live. So, it didn't have, like, the same effect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I, like, I didn't oh, see it. I didn't see it live either. I saw it after the fact, um, and I and I didn't even get the um, the reference until I saw it. You know, until people started talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, love it, yeah, love the it. Same boat such a such, such a deep reference there. Maybe one of his favorite <laughs> movies. It was a great movie. So so you know, it's one of those yeah. things where it's cool to see. It's cool to see the celebration, but most people are probably like, what the heck is going on here? Like, yeah, he's just not that. He's just not that as lineman. <laughs> um, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Um, I'll be back, uh, on Tuesday with the waiver wire episode, uh, early morning on Tuesday. So, so make sure to check that out. And Zach will be back uh, a little bit later this week for some more episodes. We appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot for listening. Hope you guys, uh, had a good fantasy day and hopefully, you know, all you need is somebody, uh, to get a, just a couple points on Monday night football for you to get the victory. Take it easy guys. See you later. Are there any Monday night games this week? Yes. Play Monday night. <laughs> we were just about to say bye-bye. No, tomorrow is it's the Bears and the Vikings. Oh, that's so right. The Bears and it's Vikings. It's actually uh, relatively consequential. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no Deontay Foreman in that game. So we'll see right. if Khalil Herbert ends up uh, 
getting the entire backfield to himself. Anyway, I was going to say bye. So I'm going to do that now. Take it easy, guys. See you later. Bye.